Well, good morning, church. You guys glad to be here today? All right. All right. Today is my daughter Brooke's birthday. She's 17 years old, and so I like to embarrass my kids on the day of their birthday. So, Brooke, happy birthday, wherever you're at, somewhere. Um, today, we're going to continue in this sermon series that we have called Built Different. And uh, wasn't last Sunday just great if you were here? Uh, those ladies did so well. Uh, they did so well. If you, if you missed it, uh, go back and watch it. It was just a great, great, great uh, uh, Sunday, and, and they did a phenomenal job. And um, today, as we continue, you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. Uh, we're going to actually be in several passages uh, today, but 1 Corinthians 7 is, is where I'll be reading in just a little while. But uh, we, we've affirmed some things in this series that I think are important. Um, and the first thing is we've said that gender is assigned by God at conception. And so we can be confused about gender. We can be confused about sexuality. Uh, we, we can change our body parts uh, at, at the hospital if we want to. Uh, but that doesn't change our DNA. It doesn't change how God designed us. In fact, it's running away from God's purpose in our life. When God assigns us our gender, it's for uh, our good and for our joy and for our benefit. And so we need to discover uh, what that is and embrace that. We've learned that God created and designed marriage. It was his invention. Uh, we didn't come up with this. It's not a social construct that we created. God designed it uh, with the first man, and Adam and Eve. And, and uh, God created in that uh, covenant relationship sex. And, and so sex is, there's a lot of uh, purposes for the, the marriage and Part of that is sexual fulfillment and, yes, having kids and, 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 and so a few other things. But we've affirmed these things. And so uh, I, I pray that these are things that you are not only just saying, okay, I believe them, yes, but now I, I have, you know, a biblical anchoring. Like I, I know what the Word of God says now so that, so that I'm connecting that to. And so we want to we make sure we, we know that. But obviously this doesn't mean that people who believe differently than us uh, means that we don't love them. I mean, we as, as Christians, uh, we love people that struggle with same-sex attraction or, or that uh, disagree, you know. And so we, we can still love and we can still uh, befriend people that believe it differently than us. But I think the, the, the biggest distinction that, that we as Christians make is, is like, okay, we, we, we can love people, but at the same time, you know, I recognize that I'm, I'm a sinner, right? I have pride in my life. I, I've messed up and I struggle. I'm prone to sin. Uh, but the difference is I, I don't celebrate my pride. I don't celebrate uh, my, my anger or, or whatever sin I might deal with. No, see, we recognize that God's standard is clear in the Word of God, and so we recognize those are sins that we need to actually overcome. And so if we believe that God created uh, man and woman, He is our creator. He has the right to say what is right, and He has the right to say what is wrong as our creator. And so we rely on His standard, not our own opinion. Opinions change with the seasons, right? Um, just because it's a popular opinion doesn't make it right. You know, in the 1950s, popular opinion in the South was, was that we should be segregated. And so we can't lean on popular opinion, right? We've got to lean upon our creator and his word and it's not changed. It, 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 it hasn't fluctuated. It's been consistent, uh, consistent 
uh, for generations now. And so if you don't agree that God created us or you don't agree that God gets to determine morality, and if you don't agree that God has communicated that morality in the word of God, then this causes us to need to have a different conversation. Right? You, you need a different type of conversation. But, but what I'm concerned about is that we have people who call themselves Christians, who believe the Bible, that attend our church. And what they do is they say they know Jesus, but you still believe and affirm that people can have sex with whoever they want to have sex with whenever they want to and marry whoever they want to whenever they want to marry. Um, and so that is an unfaithfulness to the word of God. If you disagree, uh, you don't have a problem with me. You don't have a problem with Foothills Church. You have a problem with the word of God. And I can tell you with 100% of everything that I am, I am committed to the word of God. I'm not perfectly going to be able to communicate it and I'll mess up. And, but I can tell you that my, my, my core belief is that the word of God is inerrant. And it is the hope that we have. The, the, the truth that is in this book uh, presents the gospel message that is the hope for mankind. It is the hope for your marriage. It is the hope for America. And so we stand on the word of God today. And, and, and if you are a Christian or call yourself a Christian and, and you are encouraging, affirming, um, sympathetic in, 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 in leading someone to pursue a same-sex relationship, then you are destroying their future. And again, it's not a problem with me. It's not a problem with our church. It's a, it's a problem that you have with, with the word of God, with, with God himself. And our country is in trouble, and I think in large part because of people who call themselves Christians and churches that are affirming and accepting of this. And man, things have changed drastically over the last few years. If you think about it, in President Obama's first um, term, he, he ran on the platform that marriage is between one man and one woman. He ran on that platform. That wasn't that long ago. And look how far we've actually come. Uh, one, one day I hope to go to Italy and I and, uh, can't wait to go, just my wife, not my kids, just my wife. And we want to go to Italy and, and uh, I really want to see Rome and, and uh, I can't wait to see the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You ever seen that? You ever, ever heard about that? Um, what's interesting about the Leaning Tower of Pisa is that it used to just be called the Tower of Pisa. <laughs> it didn't always lean. But something was wrong with the foundation, and because of the issues with the foundation, it started to lean, and then people started to, to celebrate the flaw, and the flaw became the feature. And we celebrate the flaw, and, 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 and we, you know, we, we uh, fixate on this now and uh, act like this is some great thing, and you see, what happens and is happening in America is that we are, 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 are seeing the flaw and it's becoming the feature. We're featuring it in movies and on the news and everywhere. We're like, we're like taking this very small group of people that, you know, have, have some, uh, some, some issues and, and elevating this to this massive thing. And Christians are just like following along. And I believe the only thing that's going to going to change America is, is revival. That, that's our only hope is the gospel and a revival. I mean, a, a real revival. I, I, I hope 
what we're seeing at Asbury and really several other locations. I'm, I'm reading all across the country now at college campuses. I'm talking like 12, 15 different locations now. We're seeing uh, evidence that, that a revival is, 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 is coming or is here in some form. And it's not just singing music. Um, it's, it's evidenced by real repentance. It's evidenced by a commitment to the word of God. It's, it's evidenced by a, a, a passion and hunger for God. And, and so a revival is for Christians. Yeah, people come to faith, but revivals, true revivals in, in the history of our country, they, they really started in colleges and, 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 and amongst young people. Um, and, and then it was evidenced by this return to the word of God and, and, and to the worship of God. And so I pray that uh, we're going to see that everywhere. I, it's interesting in the history of revival in America, it's, it happens about every 50 years. And the last one that we had uh, was a little over 50 years ago that was named the Jesus Revolution, which, by the way, just came out um, in the movie theater. If you are not a moviegoer, I, I would encourage you to go see this movie uh, just to tell Hollywood that this is the kind of stuff we want. <laughs> and uh, so go see it. I haven't seen it yet. I, I plan to go see it. And um, so that was a little over 50 years ago. So we're due for a revival here in America. And so that is exciting. I pray that it in, in, in fact happens. And I pray that it happens and, and starts with us. And so I wanted to start with this scripture. And I know you're familiar with this, but it's a great reminder as we think about this because it all relates to what we're going through in America and the topics of gender and sexuality. But God says, if my people, my people, his, his followers, the people of God, called by his name, humble themselves. We don't know the answers, right? God, you have a plan. I don't want to just follow my plan. I want to humble myself to your plan. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face, right? So, so there's a return to God, a, a hunger, a seeking of who he is a seeking after him, a hunger for him. Like Sunday mornings are, are, are filled, nights of worship, March 8th, are filled with people that are hungry to seek the face of God. And then yes, turn from wicked ways. That's repentance. That's the evidence of real revival. We're turning from wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land, Right? And so for, for you and I, like that's, that's a huge reminder for us that, that you and I, called by the name of Christ, would humble ourselves and turn before him. And, and this is all relevant because we return to the word of God and, and God says we are built differently. This is, this is what is being like publicized in our face every day, right? This, this agenda that would would lead us and turn us away from God's word. But we return to the word of God, humbling ourselves. We don't have all the answers, but we know God does. And we see that he calls us and he leads us and has in fact created us differently as men and women. He designs it that way. And when we embrace that design, we can experience joy and we can experience hope and the purpose that he has for our life. And as a result, we can have healthy marriages. We've got some unhealthy marriages here today. He wants it to get healthy, right? And so last Sunday, we talked about the needs that a wife has from uh, her husband. And today we're gonna look at the other side and we're gonna see what a husband needs from his wife. And so let's just compare the list. This is last week's list. The wife needs from her husband, affection, conversation, honesty, openness, financial commitment, and 
family commitment. Today, uh, again, this is Dr. Harley's book, His Needs, Her Needs. You can go read this. This isn't my list. This is his list based on research and his uh, years in counseling. What a husband needs from his wife is sexual fulfillment, recreational companionship, an attractive spouse, domestic support, and admiration. All right, so we're going to go through that list today. But I just want you to notice something. What are the similarities in these lists? <laughs> Not quite there, right? Not quite there, which is, is, is now making sense that there's so much frustration in marriage, right? Uh, because a man will typically see his list and say, oh, well, this is what she must need. And so he, you know, tries to fulfill what he needs, you know, in the relationship and, and it doesn't work. And then she essentially kind of sees her list. She knows these are her needs. And, and so she tries to fulfill those and, and, and do those for her husband. He's like, no, that's not what I was talking about. <laughs> And so there's obvious conflict and frustration in marriage, and it's just not enough to know this list or just to be informed. We actually have to begin to learn new habits and actually seek to fulfill these things in our spouse. And so today I want to talk about the five needs of a husband. And we'll start with number one, a husband needs his, from his wife sexual fulfillment. Um, so this is, in fact, uh, the way that God designed your husband, right? We go back to scripture. This is a design. Some women think that their husband, all he thinks about is sex. Uh, he's a pervert. He's always touching me, grabbing at me and looking at me in weird ways. And I don't understand him. And so uh, ladies, part of how God created him is that he is very visual and he loves you and he likes you a lot. And that's part of it. And uh, I, I don't, for the most part, I mean, he might be a pervert, but for the most part, <laughs> I think he's just a normal guy. Um, there's statistics out there that say that men think about sex every seven seconds. Now, I don't know if that's true, um, but I certainly would agree that it is a lot. And um, I have four kids. I don't have four kids because I love kids. <laughs> I love my wife. Praise God. Let's have church today. Ladies, you know, when you take a shower and all of a sudden your husband walks in, eyes big and drooling down his face, you think he's mentally unstable. He, he, he's mental. What's wrong with him? For, for a man, when his husband or when, when his wife goes and, and takes a shower, it's kind of like going to Disney World. He knows he can't afford to go in there every time. But every now and then, bless God, it's the magic kingdom when he walks in there. And so it's going to happen. And that's okay. Um, and that's part of how God created him. And so I want to go to scripture and, and just kind of look at it. <laughs> Wait, where are we going here? <laughs> there it is. I didn't think God was going to let me do it. <clears throat> Proverbs 5 says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Now, let's just have a vision moment here. What if your marriage could get to this point? What if you could rejoice in the wife of your youth again? What if, ladies, you could rejoice, let's turn it, and you could rejoice in the husband of your youth? What, what if you guys actually started enjoying each other again? What if you actually started meeting each other's needs again? What if you put down your pride, you humbled yourself, and you... You, you began to seek out the face of God 
And, and in prayer and in worship of God, you said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna decrease my needs. I'm, gonna, I'm going to die to myself and what I need. And I'm gonna focus on my spouse and what she needs or what he needs. And then I'm gonna return and I'm gonna re rejoice in the spouse of my youth. And then what if, what if physically we actually uh, began to fulfill each other's needs? Physically, we, we enjoyed that. And, and, and physically, we began to delight in that. What if we were intoxicated with that love? What if we were swept up and, and intoxicated in that love that we have? And, and you might be married for 50 years. And, 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 and the truth is, there's some people that have been married for 50 years who are. And, and, and we need to see that and, and, and honor that and, and, and take joy in that as, 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 as a church. And, and see, the reality is this, this is uh, something that God wants you to experience. This is something that God has for us. And, and life happens. Life happens. And you, you once maybe had it, but then, but then somewhere along the way, some, some suffering and some decisions and some things crept in and now you find yourself five, 10 years, you know, and you're like, whoa, what, what, what happened here? Where, where was this? And, it, and, and, and it's something that you didn't see overnight. It was a slow fade. I think this is where God wants us to come and, and, and understand. And so ladies, yes, your husband was designed and built this way to, to, to need physical fulfillment. God wired him this way. Obviously, it needs to be appropriate and respectful, and we need to honor our wives. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, if you're a single guy in the room, the scripture says it's better for a man to marry than to burn with passion. You see, because you're, because you're single, that burning could take place, right? That, that, that desire is still there for even single guys. And so what do you do? Well, you, you pursue a wife. Don't just date to date and to hang out. Date to get married. Uh, young people, date to get married. There, there's purpose behind that. You don't just kick the tires and you date as many people as you, you can. No, you want to seek the person that you believe God has for you in marriage. Now, you don't know 100%, but you're like, yeah, I think the, 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 the things in this person are kind of lining up. I could see myself with this person, you know, long-term. And if you were to answer that question, yeah, I don't know about long-term, then you need to really think about what you're doing. I, I, think, I think it's important that we understand that. Wives, if you've got things kind of locked down and, and the, the physical part of your relationship isn't there, um, it, it leads to some things that we're going to see in Scripture that um, can, can be very harmful. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we uh, called you to fast and pray, and I fasted from food for three days. And, and I can tell you that when you fast from food, all you think about is food. <laughs> so let me just put it this way. Whenever you're fasting from something, it's going to be on your mind. And ladies, you're, some, some ladies are forcing their husband to fast from sex. And so that just, again, that just kind of uh, leads to some very harmful things in a man's life. I think a lot of men are on a limited diet of physical attention. And the result of that is rejection. He feels rejected. He feels a lack of confidence. He, he feels a lack of desire to lead. He feels a, a lack of interest. It leads to a lot of bitterness and it does lead to a lot of division in the marriage. And so uh, on the other side though, um, there might be some ladies that say, well, what if my desire for sex is stronger than my, than my husband's? And you might think, well, what's wrong with me? And 
You know, it always seems like it's the man that has this drive that's, that's, that's more. And, and uh, you know, the uh, statistics say that uh, 20% of, of, of women have a higher sex drive than their husband. And so what does that mean? And I would say don't, don't assume something. You know, a lot of times ladies don't want to ask. They assume that their husband is addicted to pornography if this is happening or he's in a relationship with someone else. And so um, I, I want to encourage you not to assume. What I want to encourage you to actually do is, is have conversations. And you might need people involved in those conversations, like a counselor, to be able to talk through this and to be able to discover what these reasons are. There could be a million reasons, right? Could be past experiences, could be past traumatic experiences that have happened um, to your spouse. And, and those past traumatic experiences impact today, obviously. And there's a lot of uh, confusion sometimes. There's a lot of um, uh, uneasiness because of past experiences. And so if your spouse has gone through that and, and uh, you know about that, there should be compassion towards that. How can we, how can we grow and lead and, and, and love and pray through these things? I truly believe that God heals in the broken places. God, God uh, uh, restores those broken um, ideas and, 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 and some of the hope that was lost. I, I, I believe God can restore that. He can heal that as we seek him and, and, and most likely getting help from a, a counselor, a, a close friend can actually do that. And on the other side, it could just be selfishness. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it could be, I'm not in the mood, right? And so we, I, I want us to be honest, right? Be honest with your spouse about these things and, 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 and why things are happening and, 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 and what is actually going on. And, and I, I think if it's selfishness, I think we have to recognize that. I would encourage husbands, before we take, you know, your takeaway from today's message is not to go home and say, see, see, you know, I think the takeaway is go back to last Sunday and then go home and ask your wife, what on that list is, is the thing that I'm really just doing terrible at? What's the one thing I really need to work on? Which one in the list? Like, I'm going to go all five. I got you. But what's the one thing? And then really press into that and, 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 and show her the effort and show her the commitment that you have uh, towards her. Right? And, and, and then watch God work. Um, I think sometimes uh, ladies, you know, early on want children, early on, um, you know, so that desire to have kids is there. And so obviously, you know, they need to be physical with their husband and, and uh, enjoy that. And then, then the kid comes or the two kids or whatever come. And so the temptation at that point is then to transition, you know, the relationship with your spouse and then give all attention to kids, emotional and physical. And, and, and so the kids become the focus. And, and it's almost like, well, I got what I wanted. I wanted kids, you know. But you didn't just sign up for kids. You signed up for a marriage. You, you made a covenant with your husband. And so it's not just about your kids. And I think a lot of times our kids can be elevated above our spouse and we can put so much attention on our kids. It's almost like we worship our kids, especially in America, and we worship their schedules, and we worship what we want them to be, and we neglect our spouse, and it's twisted. It's, it's backwards. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, right, your spouse should be first, should be the first priority in your life. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 7 and see what Scripture says here in verse 4. 
It says, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. You got to remember in the first century, this was mind-blowing. Because in the first century, husbands essentially owned their wife. And Paul is saying, no, as a follower of Jesus, it doesn't work like that. The way that it works is we both yield to one another. It would have been mind-blowing. Verse 5, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. A couple of things here that I think that we learned from this passage. I, I think it's important that we, we understand what it doesn't mean first. What it doesn't mean is that a man uses this verse as his one verse that he has memorized and that he writes on the mirror in his bedroom or, you know, in the, in the bathroom. No, this doesn't mean that he holds this over her. It doesn't mean that he controls her. It doesn't mean that he can dominate her or guilt her with this or shame her with this. That's not appropriate. It doesn't give him the, the right to force himself. Obviously, if that's happening, you need help today. Um, and so that's not what it means at all. Let's make sure we understand that we cannot abuse the scripture for our own ends, men. So promise me that you will not abuse this when you go home today. But here's what it does mean. And, 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 and I want us to, to, to gather this. The first thing it shows us is that marriage is between a man and a woman. Because when God talks about sex in the Bible, he is always mentioning and talking about a husband and a wife. Every time. So again, it's, it's, it's clearly stated in creation. But then all throughout the Bible, God, when he is, is referencing sex and sexuality, it always comes back to this. If, if sex was okay between a man and a man, God would have said, some, here, here are some guidelines for that. But he doesn't, obviously, because he says the exact opposite. Okay, so marriage is between a man and a woman. And then secondly, God designed marriage for sexual fulfillment. So what we're seeing here is do not deprive each other. Do not deprive each other from what? Sex. It's obvious that's the insinuation here in the text. And so God designed marriage for fulfillment. That's part of his plans. Not the only plan, guys, but it is the plan um, that, we, that we see. And then thirdly, Satan tempts men who aren't sexually fulfilled. Um, he clearly says that, that, that Satan will tempt. When that is not in place, um, Satan will uh, legitimately trick and tempt a husband who is not having his legitimate uh, sexual desire fulfilled. And so um, he's, it specifically says because of a, a lack of self-control. And you might read that and say, well, he needs to be more controlled. Well, maybe he does. But in Romans 7, Paul talks about this dichotomy that is within each of us. And he says, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. What's he, what he's talking about there is he loves the Lord. The Spirit of God lives within him, but he is consistently battling his old nature, his old sin nature. Even though our sins are forgiven, we, we, we don't live a perfect life. And so we're battling that within us. And so Paul in Romans 7 is talking about this battle within himself. And so, ladies, when a husband is struggling with the temptation of sexual fulfillment outside of marriage, right, that is a challenging and difficult thing when it is not getting fulfilled within that relationship. And so, so, the flip side, though, is you make it a lot easier on him 
when there is fulfillment there, when there is some, some planning and praying and some, some um, meeting of needs in that area, it becomes a lot easier. Sex isn't the only important thing in marriage, but it is important. And the reason why I think it's extremely important is because when we look at that list, yes, I need all of these things from my wife that we're going to talk about. And yes, ladies, you need all of these things from your husband. But at the same time, when it, when it, let's, let's just take conversation. Like wives need conversation from their husbands, right? So that is a need. But also when she has friends, she can have conversations with friends all day. And she's getting needs fulfilled by having relationships and friendships through that. And so, yes, she needs it from her husband, but she's getting that from other people. And, and so we're going to talk about some of these other things that a man needs. And he can get that some, from some buddies. He can get some of that from work. And so it's not only his, his, his spouse. You see what I'm saying? But when it comes to sexual fulfillment, the only right and godly way to get sexual fulfillment um, in, in life is from your spouse. Anything outside of that is sin. And so, and so that is a particular area that I think has a, a particular need there um, that we need to understand. And, and so again, men, we don't want to use Scripture to guilt wives uh, or, or treat them poorly in any way. We want to work hard at meeting her needs. And ladies, we want to recognize that this is a, 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 a real need. Now, you're saying, Trent, there's a whole list here. You've been talking about this the whole time. Yes, I have. We'll move on now. <clears throat> Secondly, recreational companionship. So, what a husband needs uh, in this area is he needs a little adventure. He needs to get out of the house and he needs to go do some fun things. And a lot of times the fun things stop happening in marriage. We stop dating each other. We stop doing fun things together. And as a result, the relationship becomes to uh, de deteriorate. And so we start saying things like, well, we have to go take our kids to this and we have to do this and we have to do that, right? As if we have to have our kids in sports all the time year round which is not true, by the way. And, and, and we, we say we have to do all these things at work. And we have to do that. And when we have time, then we'll go out. But what we have to realize is that having fun with our spouse isn't a, you know, uh, one day, you know, we, we, we might get to that or we need to do that. It's not, a, it's not like that. It, it, we have to start looking as a have to. We have to start looking at having fun together as a, as a have to do in our marriages. And so I would say, if you've ever said, well, this is just the busy season. When the season's over, then we're gonna do this. I would say, okay, I get it. Life kind of is in seasons. We're really, really busy. And then, and then we have some seasons where we're not so busy. Go ahead today, if you've ever said that, and put something on the calendar for the next month or the next couple weeks or whatever that is, so that you can hold yourself accountable to what needs to happen to continue to grow as a couple, I think a lot of us have heard this before, but we need date nights. We need them. We need weekends away. We need date nights. We've got to pay for childcare. Uh, if you've got little ones, that's tough. I get it, but, but continue to foster that. If you've got little ones, put them to bed and have a date night at home. Right? Just, just, just enjoy each other there and, 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 and do some things that, that are fun there at home. That's a huge uh, part for a husband. And then thirdly on the list is an attractive spouse. Attractive spouse. Now, this is Dr. Harley's words. This is not my words. <laughs> I don't want to stay here long, but what I want to just prove is that for a man, he needs to see that you're trying. <laughs> and so I, the, the, the idea here is like over time, people change, 
Yeah, weight changes, wrinkles happen, all that is, is, is good. But here's a temptation, I think, that, that uh, Dr. Harley points out, is that when we um, get to that point, a lot of women say, well, he should just love me the way that I am. He should love me no matter what I, I say or, you know, or how I dress or how I look. And, and, and we, we get that to a, a certain point, but, but we do need to try. <laughs> we need to do our part, essentially, because it is important for a husband. Now, he marries you because he thinks you're beautiful, and he still thinks you're beautiful. And so don't let your impression of yourself ruin what he thinks about you. And so I think uh, taking care of ourselves physically is not only good for our health, but it is good for our marriage too. And choosing clothing that he likes might be helpful too. I don't know. We might think about that, ladies. Uh, in fact, in Leviticus chapter 1, it specifically says, burn thy flannel pajamas on the altar of the Lord. It says it. You can look it up, Leviticus 1. First time in history, men are going to be diving in Leviticus. I'm going to find it in there, man. I Googled it. I don't see it, but I'm looking. All right, number four, domestic support. So domestic support. So what this essentially means is, is um, helping keep the household in order, right? That's essentially what it means. In the book of Timothy, it says this in uh, Titus chapter 2, sorry, uh, verse 3. It says, likewise, teach older women uh, to be reverent. Right? Reverent. So live, live life of, of, of respect and holiness in the way that they live. Not to be slanderous. Don't, don't talk badly about people. Don't cut people down. Don't hurt people with your words. Don't be addicted to much wine. You don't have to have wine to have fun. Right? You don't have to have that involved. Uh, but teach what is good. Right? Who do they teach? Older women should teach what is good to who? Well, it says, verse 4, they can urge the younger women to love their husbands. So older women should be teaching younger women how to love their husbands, how to love their children. Right? And so when we talk about small groups, this is why I think that having different generations in small group is good. We all like to go to people like us. Well, they're in the same life stage as us. I get that. But the same life stage as us, if you're in your 30s, is a lot of non-wisdom. You need some older people who've been drugged through the mud and have survived right? And older people, you don't need to be stingy and selfish with your stories and with your wisdom. And you don't need to believe the lie from the enemy that says, well, nobody wants to know. This generation doesn't want to learn. They're hungry for coaches. They're hungry for mentors. So younger people, you need to ask. Older people, you need to be willing. And we need to see more mentoring happening in our church. And we're developing this out. Pastor Todd's doing a great job developing this out. We're growing this. But but this is part of a, a scriptural command. Yes, uh, young, older women, uh, how to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, to be pure, to be busy at home, to be kind. So this, this phrase, busy at home, means manage household well. Right? And so in our culture, my wife works full-time. Uh, a lot of you um, work full-time, both of you. And so what does that mean? Well, what it means is you've got to determine roles and responsibilities at home because if both the husband and the wife are working outside the home, then there needs to be shared responsibility. But in my experience, if you don't talk about it and clearly um, uh, have some expectations, you're going to fight a lot about it. And wives, you're, you're not going to know that it took him two hours to clean the garage and he had to fix this and fix that. And all you see is the dirty kitchen. Why aren't you helping me in the kitchen? Well, he was doing something else, right? 
So we've got to have that communication. Um, if a wife is, is a stay-at-home mom, my, my wife stayed at home when our kids were little, uh, which I thought was fantastic. And so she did primarily do a lot of the, uh, of the things that, that kept our house in order, but, but I still had a list and I still had things and I, I, I still contributed and, and uh, that's important. But ultimately the desire that a man has is, is that if he comes home to a chaotic house, he feels like his life is chaotic. And so there's a need, that's our castle, that's our recharge, that's our uh, stress management when we go home. And if it's a disaster and it's not put in order, then it really uh, is, a, is a specific burden on a husband. Just like if he's not communicating with you ladies, it's a burden on you. And so we have to be able to, 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 to ebb and flow with that. And then finally, and then we'll close, and I want to pray over you guys. Husband needs admiration. This is huge. Admiration. Admiration. Ephesians 5:33. Um, actually, I have it up here. It says this: Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. We've read this before. And the wife must respect her husband. Respect, respect, respect. Admiration. I think it's a similar thing, right? This respect and this admiration. Admiration is a tremendous motivator for most men. A tremendous motivator to know that you think he's wonderful or capable, that he's doing a great job can motivate him beyond anything he could ever do if he doesn't feel that admiration from you. Let me just help you go back into the psyche of a man for a minute. Um, if your husband w w was raised in a semi-healthy uh, home and his parents were, were there, and, and um, this, this is probably a typical thing for him. When he was younger, he would flex his muscles, you know, he'd flex them as good as he could, and his mother would come by and feel those puny little biceps, and she would say, oh my goodness, look how big those muscles are. What would that do for that little boy? Admiration. He'd stand up taller. He'd be ready to conquer the world. He'd go out in public, and, uh, or he, he, he would go to his grandparents' house, and his grandmother, she would say, oh my goodness, you're getting so tall, you're getting so big, you're gonna be bigger than me. You know what would happen with that little kid, that little boy? Admiration. He'd stand up taller. He'd be ready to conquer the world. He'd get a new pair of tennis shoes. And somebody would say, I love those new shoes. I bet they make you run faster. And he'd go down the hallway. <laughs> Why? Admiration. He stood taller. He was ready to conquer the world. He met you, ladies. And he thought, I don't have a prayer with this woman and something happened. He doesn't know how it worked out. He doesn't know what he did. It was the grace of God that he met you and you actually liked him back. And you laughed at his jokes and you were, you were enamored by his quirkiness. And then he asked you to marry him and you said yes. And that was the ultimate admiration. A woman wants to be with me forever. And you know what he did? He stood taller and he was ready to conquer the world. But then something happened. The admiration and the encouragement changed to criticism and it changed to sarcasm. And somewhere along the journey, you began to see all of his flaws instead of all of his admirable qualities. 
It doesn't happen overnight, but it happens a little bit at a time. One cut down, one disappointment, one sarcastic statement, one critical statement at a time. And before long, he becomes a fraction of the man that he once was. And the reality is, right or wrong, right, right or wrong, I don't, I'm not saying this is biblical, but what I'm saying is he views himself through your eyes. Right or wrong. So if, if you view him as a mess up, as a not good enough, as a doesn't do this and doesn't do that, and you're critical of him, that's, that's how he views himself today. That's a lot of power <laughs> that men give women. You, you, that's why you all rule the world. But he sees himself through your eyes. And, and if you go back, the reason why a lot of your husbands are in church are because you, you led him spiritually and he met Jesus because of your influence. He's a better man because of your influence. And he'd be the first to tell you that. But somewhere along the line, we, we see the, the shift. And the shift has rattled your husband. And I just want to call us back to a time of repentance, just all of us, men, women, going back to this idea that, okay, he has needs, she has needs. What if I focused on meeting her needs? What if I focused on meeting his needs and I died to my needs and I really pressed into that and we talked about it, we communicated about it. What if we humbled ourselves, we, we sought the face of God and together we put him first and together we started to do this differently than, than the way that we've done it. And Last Sunday, I asked the ladies to come forward and we prayed over you and you had a time of prayer. And today, I wanna to ask the men to, to do the same thing. And we're gonna to sing together and, and uh, we're gonna close. And ladies, I'm gonna ask you to pray over these men and, and uh, men, we're gonna, we're gonna lay it all out there. And you see, this is how revival starts when people do this. And so I pray that, that God will be here. And I know that he is. Uh, let me ask you to stand to your feet and. As you stand, men, let's go ahead and fill this place. Holy Father, I pray a prayer blessing over all of these men. God, I pray that you would enlarge their influence. God, that whatever business, whatever uh, ministry, whatever relationships that they are in, Lord, that you would expand and enlarge their ministry and their influence. Lord, I pray that your hand of blessing would be upon them. Lord, we need you. We need your guidance. We need your spirit to fill us. We need more of you, Jesus. We need more of your presence. We need more, God, of who you are in our heart and our mind. Lord, fill them with you. Fill them with the spirit of God. Lord, we pray that you would protect them, protect their hearts and their minds. God, guard them from sin. Guard them from the enemy's temptations. God, guard them from their own sin, their, their own devices, and, and, and whatever it is, God, that they're using to numb themselves to the pain or the misery or the whatever, the loneliness. God, I pray protection over that. Change their heart in the name of Jesus right now. Fill them, God, with your power and with your love. May they lead their wife and their children and their business May they lead their area of influence with integrity and with love. Jesus, would you bless them? 
in an immeasurable way, God, not so that we would just have more than we need, but that out of the abundance of what you have blessed us with, God, we would be generous to others, that they would be generous financially, they would be generous with their wisdom, they'd be generous with their time. Fill us, God, to know the decisions and the right way to live our life. God, we need you and we worship you in this place right now. We love you. And so right where you're at, let's worship. And let's close with this song together. Let's worship. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.